podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Famous Man United are going to Wembley. Yes, that's right. For the first time since 2018, Manchester United will play in the domestic cup final after a comfortable 2-0 win over Nottingham Forest at Old Trafford on Wednesday night. Eric Ten Hag's men set up a final against Newcastle at the end of February as they look to get the first trophy of the Eric Ten Hag era. A pretty forgettable game on its own, but a celebratory occasion for United fans inside and outside Old Trafford as excitement grows at the potential of bringing home the first trophy of this new era. Hello and welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast with me, Jack Tate. We've got a slightly different episode for you today. I'm here to talk for just a few minutes about tonight's game. That'll come after you've heard from Harry's immediate reaction from Old Trafford. Then to round things off, we've got a special pre-recorded section to commemorate the 65th anniversary of the Munich air disaster. You'll hear from Harry in a pre-recorded section talking you through all the important bits to know and remember ahead of this week's commemoration. To kick things off, let's throw it to Harry for his immediate reaction from Old Trafford with a particular focus on the return of Jadon Sancho and some Bruno Fernandes magic. Well, let's start with one thing, Wembley. Doesn't it feel good to to say and to know that we've got a Wembley final in store? Uh, uh, let me start with Jaden Sancho. That was a top moment. I've just seen the pictures of uh, of his smile when he was coming on, and I'm I'm buzzing for him. There was a the great thing about English fan culture. One of the great things is the spontaneity and the simplicity sometimes. And he came to warm up in front of the Stratford End, and every player does that gets applause. But then a big chant like Bruno's of Sancho, Sancho broke out uh, and the same again when he came on and then again at full time most most especially I think he was soaking it all in he did a full lap of the pitch we haven't got a clue what's going on behind the scenes but it was lovely and I'm delighted for him it was uh, enough to bring a smile to anyone's face yeah really lovely and he, he played well came into the side at number 10 which was really interesting I think some people have uh, I think one of our patrons might have suggested Sancho in, at number 10 before obviously when he was at Borussia Dortmund he played on the wing but would often come inside a lot he yeah he looked good some great moments I'm, I'm pleased for him it was the perfect opportunity for him to come in and, and handled well by Ten Hag and I loved the the smile on Sancho's face when he was about to come on but the the smile on Ten Hag's face as well as if to say go on go on son enjoy it was was great uh, Ten Hag's handled the whole thing well United are into a final with a 5-0 aggregate win in a semi-final you can only spin that in one way it's brilliant um, like the Reading game this had a similar feeling at half time of that's alright but this is our this is our near strongest team come on lads what can we do here uh, we got enough in the second half to be to, ha- to be happy with that a bit of entertainment and that's what you want uh, when you when you go into a game on a Wednesday night the goals Martial a bit fortunate for his one hardly an inspiring performance from him but good for him to at least get on the score sheet he, he messed up the, the pass to Rashford a bit really um, and, and was fortunate to score Bruno's pass for the second beautiful um, beautiful 
really great game. Showed leadership. Garnacho was getting hit time and time again and, and pulled back as well with some, the referee wasn't protecting him very well at all. Bruno came in soon enough after with a, a strong shoulder on his man and then a strong word in his ear after as well. It's the little things and, and I think that was appreciated by Garnacho, certainly appreciated by, by the fans as well. Rashford got the assist for Fred's goal after Bruno's pass, averaging a goal or assist out every 60 minutes since the World Cup. That is outrageous and brilliant. Uh, yeah, so it's all good tonight. Palace on Saturday, that'll be a good game. Our first Saturday 3pm match in God knows how long. Uh, always a special day, the match closest to the anniversary of the Munich Air disaster, which you'll hear me talk about a bit later. There's lots of games in February. One is out the way, another coming up quickly. It's an exciting month coming up. Leeds twice, Barcelona twice, a Wembley final. Eric Tanag, what a man. Let's enjoy it. Harry, absolutely spot on about how exciting February 2023 is going to be as a Manchester United fan. Two games against Leeds, a home and away against Barcelona, a trip to Wembley for a League Cup final. You can't really ask for much more than that to get excited about as a fan. It's going to be a month with a lot of challenges for United, especially given you know, the Ericsson injury when we recorded earlier this week that the severity of that injury wasn't known. So obviously since found out it's going to be three months or so for Ericsson to come back, we've then signed Sabitza pretty much as sort of a, a direct replacement for Ericsson with a slightly different profile, but will probably play that same role. So there's going to be challenges for United, but there's a lot to be excited about, a lot to look, a lot to look forward to. I think coming out of tonight's game, the game itself was, as I mentioned in the, at the beginning, a pretty forgettable affair. Definitely not one that the game itself, anyway, is going to live too long in the memory. But United did okay for the most part. We, you know, dominated the game, controlled the game pretty well, really limited Nottingham Forest's opportunities on the counter-attack, which is always kind of the risk in a game like this. Didn't create a whole lot. I thought the front three were slightly disjointed in the first half. But... All in all, it was always going to be a slightly subdued occasion, I think, given, at least in terms of the intensity and tempo of the match itself, just given the lead that United brought into the game. But in the end, did enough. You know, I thought, especially, it was quite a poignant moment for me when Sancho came on and you had Rashford, Martial, Sancho and Bruno Fernandes all on the pitch together. You know, how few times have we ever seen the, the, that quartet on the pitch? It's been so few and far between. And it feels, to some degree, almost a throwback to the Oligan Solskjaer era because it felt that felt like sort of his grand plan was to have those front four kind of carry us through. And then obviously things changed with Ronaldo coming in, things not kind of working out for, for Solskjaer himself. And Ten Hag is now picked up where Solskjaer left off in terms of the, the squad to some degree, but is very clearly taking us to new heights. It was brilliant to see Sancho back. You know, Harry mentioned the picture that's been going around of, of him and Ten Hag smiling just before he came onto the pitch, which was just such a, a great moment to see it. And it was lovely. It was brilliant that he got his return at Old Trafford to get the reception that he deserved as he was walking off the pitch. He got you know, a huge round of applause, a huge chorus of cheers for him as he was walking down the tunnel from the Stretford end. It can only be a good thing for United to have Sancho back. Thought he did okay when he came on. He had some made some really nice runs. As Harry mentioned, played in the number 10 role and pushed Fernandez out wide, which has been a kind of a feature to some degree of, of Eric Ten Hag's time as United manager so far. This willingness to push Fernandez out wide and have 
slightly unexpected players coming into that number 10 role. McTominay's played there at times this season. Ericsson has very rarely played there, which is kind of where we expected him to play. Van der Beek has made a couple of appearances there in between injury, but you know now we've seen Sancho there and it, it wouldn't surprise you, I don't think, to see Sancho you know, potentially be somewhat of a, of a cover for Fernandez if ever Fernandez needs to be rotated out of the team. Or I think we could see that Anthony sub for Sancho quite often. Anthony for another midfielder has been quite a, a common sub in the Ten Hag time so far and pushing Fernandez out wide kind of similarly to how he did against Arsenal. So it wouldn't surprise me if that becomes quite a common change that we make around sort of the hour mark in a lot of games now. Anthony off for Sancho and Sancho playing in the number 10. But, you know, the big thing, the big takeaway from tonight is just United are in a final. And that feels so good to say, you know, we obviously got to the Europa League final under Oli, but it's been too long since we've been in a domestic cup final. 2018, since then, we had the Wembley trip for the semi-final against Chelsea in, what, 2020? But, you know, fans weren't allowed at that point. So it's been it's been a really long, t- long time, too long since fans have been able to go and watch United at Wembley. It's going to be a brilliant occasion, a very even game on paper against Newcastle. And it's just something to get excited about. You know, coming out of this game, I think you can't help but you can't help but be reminded just how much has changed with this team in 12 months. You know, you go back to last January, last February, Ranjik had been at United for, you know, six weeks or so. Results really hadn't picked up too much. There was a lot of toxicity around the team, around the club. So many unknowns for the future. So many players down on form, down on confidence. And you look at this team now with a group of players that is largely very similar. You know, really... Martinez, Casemiro, Anthony are, are the only major change. Obviously, it was Ericsson previously, but obviously now injured. Malassia we have as well, but he's obviously more of a backup. This is largely the same group of players that we've we've been having for the last few years, and and the way that Ten Hag has got this team improving, playing. This is now twelve wins in a row at Old Trafford, something we haven't done since Alex Ferguson's time at United. At United. You know, these are such positive times for United, and it's. It's obviously, you don't want to get ahead of yourself, but it's hard not to get so excited about what we're seeing because I think for the first time, really ever since Ferguson left, it feels like United have a manager who is here for the long haul, who is clearly trying to put in good processes to lay good foundations at this football club and a manager that is fully trusted and that we have that faith in that he can reach that ceiling. That is a feeling that, and, and a, an expectation, I guess, that we haven't had at all in the post-Ferguson era. So how can you not be extremely excited about that? As I mentioned earlier, February is going to be a challenging month for United and to some degree quite a defining one for the season because if you go out the Europa League to Barcelona, you lose the, the League Cup final to Newcastle, you know, a couple of bad results in the Premier League and all of a sudden the season feels a lot more negative than maybe it does right now. But... On the flip side, you win the League Cup final, you keep progressing in the league, you get past Barcelona in the Europa League and the season just goes from strength to strength. So it's going to be a massively defining month. It will be a challenge to to manage everything in terms of the rotation. I was surprised, as I think a lot of people were, that Ten Hag didn't rotate more tonight, just given that this felt like the most obvious game to do it in. But still very few players played both the Reading and Nottingham Forest games. Casemiro, Wambasaka, a couple, Veghorst was another, and Fernandez. But, you know, we, we do have, apart from central midfield, which is the big issue, and obviously we've brought in Sabitzer to try and 
remedy some of that. We do have decent depth in most of those areas to be able to rotate as we go. It's an exciting time. It's an exciting time to be a United fan. I don't think much more needs to be said, to be honest. I don't think too much needs to be said to sort of overanalyze this game. United were okay, not great. We'll have much better days than this. There'll be games at a much higher intensity. It felt very much like both teams from the off. It just felt like both teams weren't up for it that much. You know, Forrest, considering they were behind coming into a second leg, didn't really show much ambition or, or tempo in the game, which is understandable given the, the 3-0 scoreline. The biggest thing is just what this means for United getting to Eric Ten Hag's first final and you just cannot wait already for February 26th. Just roll on Wembley and fingers crossed we see this United team lifting the League Cup. It would be a, a special, special day and like I said earlier, just a really poignant time, I think, to reflect on how far this team has come and where we might be going under this you know, brilliant bald manager that we have <laughs> that we all are, I think, very understandably falling in love with very, very quickly. That's going to be all from me. I don't think the Forest game needs to be overanalyzed too much. Next, you'll be hearing from Harry as he has a small section talking about the Munich air disaster and the 65th anniversary of the Munich air disaster that will be commemorating at Old Trafford and during Saturday's game against Crystal Palace. Listen to Harry on that, some of the history of the, of the accident, some of the ways United will be commemorating it, and in particular, his experiences being part of the United programme staff writing about the Munich air disaster for the last couple of years. Thank you all as always for listening. We appreciate your support so much. We'll be back business as usual with a normal episode coming to you after the Crystal Palace game and then the following weeks after that as well. You'll be hearing from us every Monday and every Thursday as United go on what is going to be a frantic and potentially season-defining month throughout February. Thank you all so much for listening. Roll on Wembley and up 10 Hogs Reds. It's the 65th anniversary of the Munich Air disaster next Monday. It's not 60 or 70 or 75, but it's a important one. Every anniversary is important, but as we get further and further away from that fateful day in 1958, those who watched the Busby Babes become fewer and fewer in number. And until every last person who saw this great team play has shared every memory they have, then we certainly shouldn't stop asking. As one of the writers for United Review, the club's matchday programme, I count it as maybe the, yeah, I think it is the, the greatest honour every year to get to help tell the story of Munich in a different way each year. And of course, every year the programme will explain what happened, who was killed and who survived. But for decades, this was an event remembered, but not spoken of. It was too painful. I speak to Paddy Crowent, 1968 European Cup winning midfielder, most weeks for his programme column. He joined United from Celtic in 1963. Upon arrival, his manager was, of course, Sir Matt Busby, who had lain near death in Rex de Isar Hospital, who had been read the last rites twice, who had seen his boys perish in the Munich snow, his teammates were Harry Gregg, the goalkeeper who ran back into the burning wreckage to save Sir Matt, Sir Bobby Charlton and so many others. Sir Bobby himself, who was flung away from the plane, still perfectly upright in his seat. He was 20 years old. 20. And Bill Folkes, an outstanding centre-half who suffered only a minor injury to the head from a gifted bottle of gin. 
Bill, who returned to the hospital after being discharged overnight to see his teammates who had survived for now. Duncan Edwards, Johnny Berry, Jackie Blanchflower, Dennis Fyler, Albert Scanlon, Sir Bobby Raywood. I was just beginning to think it didn't look too bad when I asked where the rest were, he later said. The nurse simply shook her head and said, that's it, everybody else has died. He and Harry Gregg returned to the site of the disaster. Bill sat in the seat where he'd been. He found his suitcase containing said bottle of gin unharmed and in place. Harry Gregg came across a cap with Coleman written on it, Eddie's hat from the Continental Club in Manchester. Eddie's scarf was there too, red and white, of course. And Bill found a paper bag with an apple, an orange, some tea and sugar. Eddie Coleman's mum had packed it away for him for the trip to Belgrade. That was too much for Bill and they left the site. So you can understand why when Paddy Crowen joined in 1963, five years later, no one mentioned Munich and you can understand why it was rarely mentioned for some decades after as well. The pain of it all was simply too much. And that's why now that we're so sadly without Harry Gregg and Bill Folks and Dennis Violet and Albert Scanlon and so on, that's why now it's so important that it is remembered in the way it is every year. And in a new light each year, because sometimes we should remember the disaster itself and the pain of the following days. And other times you might want to remember 1968, 10 years on. Other times you might remember the team before February the 6th, 1958. Tommy Taylor's miraculous leaps and powerful headers. Duncan Edwards' thunderous right and left boots and broad shoulders. The stories of Billy Whelan's magical goal in Snowy Bilbao. And recently, a, a bigger effort has been made, rightly, to acknowledge those lives lost outside of the playing squad because Manchester United didn't just lose eight of the finest footballers in the country, but one of the finest football administrators in the country and club secretary, Walter Crickmer. Walter might just be my number one United hero. His story is hardly believable. A Wigan-born football fanatic who joined United as a 20-year-old after the war and rose to become secretary, manager then for eight years, the founder of the Manchester United Academy, the man who dragged the club through the Second World War and had it ready for Sir Matt Busby to take over. Then, of course, just Matt Busby. There's so much more to his story than that too. And there's Bert Wally, originally a wing half or central defender before, during and after the war for United, one of Crickmer's most reliable men when Walter was manager. And then a coach after an eye injury stopped him from playing and an just utterly essential cog in the United system, loved by Jimmy Murphy particularly. Bert was a Methodist lay preacher who would teach at church on a Sunday. And Jimmy Murphy's son told me, when we were preparing the programme that they'd put on practice games for the young lads and Jimmy would be one in one half, effing and jeffing and Bert would be in the other saying, ah, oh, not this time, unlucky son. Bert was the good cop who tended to the boys after they'd faced Murphy's truth-telling wrath. And there was first-team trainer Tom Curry, a good player for Newcastle in the 1920s and then a wonderful coach and teacher to the babes. He joined United long before Busby arrived, in 1934 in fact, but Busby recognised in him the perfect spirit. He was an inherently fair individual who the boys came to trust with everything and in return he simply asked them to put in the absolute maximum effort. And then there were those left behind too who have been remembered more and better in recent years. Johnny Berry and Jackie Blanchflower who would never play again and who were very poorly treated by the club afterwards. The club staff who pressed on, knowing that not to do so would see the club fall apart, but without any counselling or time to reflect or heal. 
They worked day and night without their best mates or their mentors, Jimmy Murphy most prominently, of course, but also Bill Inglis, Joe Armstrong, Alma George, Les Olive, and many, many others. So, on Saturday, it will be the closest fixture to the 65th anniversary of Munich. On Friday, the brilliant fan group, the Manchester Munich Memorial Foundation, will present a plaque to the Metropole Hotel in Belgrade, where the babes stayed during their final European trip. Poignantly, there'll be a member of the Red Star squad from 1958, as well as the UK's ambassador to Serbia and representatives from Partizan Belgrade. And then on Saturday... There'll be a minute's silence at Old Trafford. Rees will be laid and black armbands worn. Many of the families will be in attendance, as with every year. And the same will be true for United's women's game the next day in Lee. There'll be a ceremony before the men's match by the Munich Memorial Clock from 1.30pm. And there will also be the more traditional memorial service beginning at 2.40 on 6th of February itself next Monday, with a two-minute silence at 3.04pm, the exact time of the crash. And there'll be a delegation sent by United to Munich on Monday for the ceremony there at Manchesterplatz. Brian Robson will be there representing the club, as will the under-13s academy side who learn about Munich throughout the season as one of their education projects. And there'll be some youngsters from the Manchester United Foundation as well. If you're at the game on Saturday, I would urge you to get a copy of the programme, the work that's been put into it, as with every year and every match day, but especially this match each year. It would be extraordinary if it didn't make sense. For all the faults of Manchester United, there are some very good bits and this is one of them. Everyone's striving to do those boys justice. There are some wonderful memories in there from those who watched the babes, including Jimmy Murphy's son, the former club secretary, Ken Ramsden, many, many others. Uh, Jim Murphy Jr. and Paddy Crowan both pointed out one key thing, how it warms the hearts of everyone who remembers the babes to see their story passed down from generation to generation to see kids born 30, 40, 50 years after the disaster making the trip to Munich or paying their respects at Old Trafford, which is only too right. And when the minute silence is done and the wreaths have been laid, then the match will begin and United will go on. And is there anything more fitting than that? Because United must go on and 65 years later, we still are. Network.